Welcome to the show. Thank you for joining me. As always, really appreciate it. Really appreciate you sharing your time. This is the Goodwin Podcast with Nico Lapalusa. So recently I saw a TikTok. It's a dermatologist TikTok. But they were sharing their mother's skincare routine, daily skincare routine. And every day her mom rubs a banana peel on her face. Now, she looked great. Elder, maybe 80, looking looking great. But she was also Asian. And uh, as we all know, Asians can hold, hold their youth for quite some time. Um, so I'm giving it a try. I'm running an experiment to see how my skin feels after... Uh, Going in on some some banana peel action. I can tell you it feels a little filmy right now. Probably should wash my face, but I'll do that after the episode. Thanks for joining today. Feeling pretty good today. Um, and... You know, I, I have a little plan for for these episodes a lot of time, and a lot of times it's based on the things that I'm I'm choosing to consume, uh, the previous the day leading up to it, the morning of, um, and you know my actions too, and I love talking about sexuality right now, and that's probably because I've been obsessed with it for more than half more years than I haven't now um since about 13 um pretty much when i when i first was able to uh, first first masturbated my masturbation story first masturbation story is uh you know much like any young young man um no and, and it's also not because i was a late bloomer on the physical, on the puberty scale, um, in middle school, I'd go over to my friend's house and he had cable, and um, they're you know seventh eighth grade. Um, you you watch Showtime until midnight or start watching Showtime at midnight. You get the porn, and he had a huge, huge U couch. A big U couch, a basement, so we felt isolated. He'd put on the porn, and we each have our own blankets. And he would masturbate, and I would fake it. And that's a true story. And and there was even times where um, there would be two or three of us, all with our individual sections of the couch, all with our individual blankets, and um, and and they would masturbate, and I would fake it. Because I, I couldn't yet. And I remember one time, because um, I was challenged, you know, I was asked, hey, like, you know, they, everyone, you know, everyone wanted to see each other's, each other's come. And of course, I didn't have any. So instead of just telling the truth, that would have been, that would have been much too, the truth would have been way too hard at that point. I, uh, I ran to the bathroom, grabbed a washcloth, and squeezed out some uh, coconut vanilla suave shampoo 
onto a washcloth, smashed it together, hamburger style, and I came out and I showed them the pool of suave shampoo in hopes of tricking them to think that it was my semen. And they didn't believe me at the time. They didn't believe that my semen smelled like coconut and vanilla so richly and so and so uh, delicately. And you know what? That's my, that's my bad. Of course it's my bad. Um, not trusting in their intelligence, thinking I can, I can pull a fast one like that. But, you know, it's a weird situation. Being 13 is a weird situation. If you're 13, you're going through it right now. Probably no weirder time in life. There used to be turning 13 uh, is becoming is coming of age. And there used to be ceremony to bring men, bring women into age. And there's still bar mitzvahs and bat mitzvahs in the, Jew, in the Jewish religion. But as far as coming of age... Uh, you kind of do it on your own now. So that's my that's my non uh, masturbation. My first non masturbation stories um, were basically going over to a friend's house, playing sports all day, loving you know loving life, not really thinking not thinking about women at all. But every, you know the, everyone else around me was going through the heat of uh, blossoming into their flowers. And, um, and so, uh, yeah, they were, they were, they were baiting and I was faking, but there eventually came a morning, um, uh, before school where I just gave it my best effort. About, I was 13 freshman in, in high school and it happened. I did it. It happened and it, I felt, I remember my, my penis feeling different for the whole day, the entire day. There was like, I could just feel my urethra and, and, and then, uh, so in the morning I did it before school cause you wake up with a morning erection. Um, and then I went for it, of course, using my imagination and, uh, and I came and I was so excited, so excited to finally have evidence that I was going through puberty two years later than my, my cohorts, my friends. And I remember walking downstairs that morning, you know, extra pep in my step. I think I dressed like Tiger Woods, um, that morning, red polo shirt, black slacks pleated and and my mom said, why are you so happy? And, and I said, you wouldn't understand. And I said, you wouldn't even understand why I'm so happy. There's nothing in your, in your, mom, your mother's brain that could possibly understand why I'm this happy. And the day I was walking on sunshine with a slight tingle in my urethra. And then that's the way it went. And then, and then you know, the nightmare really began. Because... If you're not, if you've never been a 13 year old boy, man, if you've never been a 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19 year old boy or man, then you don't know what it's like to get an erection for no reason at all and then 
have to feel uh, and then have to hide that. And, and and when we'll go, yeah, well, you don't know what it's like to have a, a period. You don't know what it's like to have blood and have to hide that. True. But that is a week out of the month, if I'm not mistaken, I'm, I, and, I, and I could be way off. I believe it's about approximately a week of of bleeding. You got a military pad defense system. You wear your black sweatpants, your red sweatpants, and and you and you keep it moving. Um, this is every day. This is every single class period. Of, I had eight periods of high school every single day, and every single day, ten minutes before the bell ring, all I was thinking is, I hope my boner goes away, so that I can get up without having to put my backpack in front of me and pretend like I'm putting papers away as I walk the five minutes to my next class. Gee, I hope I don't have, um, um, you know, I hope my boner doesn't get exposed. And you can't always flip it up into your waistband. One, you need a sturdy, a sturdier pant. You need a denim, a corduroy, uh, and maybe a belt. And you don't want that friction in your life. You don't want that friction in your life. So, so my tactic was I probably carried my backpack in front of my body uh, 60 to 97% of the time. Just hiding my bone or pretending to shuffle through my backpack, looking for nothing. All This was all f- for show. So... So I would just be an- like anxious to get home, you know. On the bus ride, my legs would be shaking just, just, just knowing what I was going to do to myself. Running straight up into my room, and uh, and taking care of the business. The business being uh, 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 masturbating, and. I don't know why I never just tried to do it at at school. Like it wouldn't have taken much. It's like the combination of it was all unknown. Sex was all unknown. I just knew what it would, uh, the pleasure and orgasm would give me for a brief moment. And I probably could have taken care of it at school. Maybe walked through the halls boner free. Never did that though. Never got around to just going into a stall mid class like in between classes and just taking care of, and that might've subsided the boner. It might not have though. Boners were like breathing. It didn't take anything. Um, I, I remember, I remember, I remember seeing some chalk dust and the chalk dust had nice curves and getting a boner. I remember doing algebra and, um, the parentheses in a particular equation uh, were just thick enough to give me a boner. Um, the smell of Abercrombie and Fitch, uh, man or woman's cologne, perfume, uh, immediate erection. Um, anything. Uh, if you know, if a girl had a little piece of tapioca pudding on her on her chin hair, bone erection immediately. I remember there was one class we were sitting in a U shape, and I was sitting across from just the like being infatuated with the girl I was sitting across, and she used to just put her legs up underneath the desk, and I would just 
you know, couldn't now it wasn't it wasn't predatory or, or, or anything. I, I didn't get I should be said I didn't even have a sexual experience until I was nineteen. Which probably explains a lot. But without explaining it a lot, it just every it was like it's just a small nightmare, you know? That those hormones and that desire without having an outlet. Um, I guess sports. And it was all imagination based. Masturbating was all imagine imagination based. And it didn't take much. Um I made a I made a TikTok about this is like I used to think that shower sex was like the pinnacle of the sexual experience. And that was like my go-to fantasy. It was like, oh man, that'd be so hot. But now having tried it a handful of times, the lubrication gets messed up. If the water's, you know, water's hitting her shoulder, splashing you in the eye. uh, So you need to like move the shower head and it's, you know, it actually decreases the sensation. I prefer a dry and cooler experience than, than shower sex. So just pure fantasy and imagination. I was running off of pure imagination. Now, it wasn't until I turned, I think, 15, 16, we got internet in my house. What year was that? 2002. We were late to the game. Getting internet in my house, 2004. And and there wasn't Pornhub. There wasn't uh, uh, XNX, XX, UGIS. None of this was, was out yet. There was dial-up internet. Our, our computer was centrally located in the busiest traffic areas of the house. No personal internet devices. And when the house got empty, it was a massacre. When I was the only one in the house, the few times, massacre. I would go, the first time I got caught looking at porn, I didn't get caught white-handed. I I went to, like, I typed in web like, boobs.com, milfs.com. And then there were, you had to pay for everything. Back when you had to pay for every all all sorts of porn, I would there would be banners with like a boob, and I would screen, I would drag that image to a Word document, and I I would make collages of like single boobs, one butt cheek, all different colors, all different creeds, and just like fake boobs, regular boobs, and I compiled this images, and I would I'd print them out, I'd print out the paper. And I left the paper in the printer one time. And my dad found it. And he was upset. A good a good a good Christian father. Upset. And um that that would be it. Collaging images. And I I want to talk about porn today. I watched a really interesting TED talk. Um about about porn and its effect and uh and i and i there's a lot i agree with 
it is a little skeptical that porn is 100% free to me. People do pay for it and people would pay for it. So the fact that it's free, it kind of feeds this conspiratorial thought in me that um, that there's powers that work against us. And then I read these books. You can see that. The Tao of Health and Sex and Longevity by Daniel Reed. And, you know, it talks about men's semen being vital life force for our own health and our own longevity. It recommends that um, retaining semen is can be linked with longevity and overall health. So for porn to be free and and the ease at which we can kind of get our dopamine just kicked up and like and just send out our seeds, send out our semen everywhere. Um, it seems to be like a conspiracy working against people to make people sick. If this stuff is illegitimate, if your semen actually retaining it, retaining that chi is, is real and provable. And, uh, you know, I buy in. Talked about this before. Like, I think in French, uh, orgasm means little death. Um, there's certainly a, a drained feeling that can happen post sex or post ejaculation that I'd say would contribute to, you know, thoughts of it being some sort of energetic um, contributing factor. So the fact that it's completely free seems a little sus, seems a little suspect, seems a little too easy, you know, like being set up for failure. Um, but this TED talk I was, I was listening to, it was at first it wasn't, it took, you know, it was a little cringy, maybe like this episode so far. Um, but I liked how the, the speaker associated the aggression that's normalized in sex um, through porn. And porn was my primary sex ed teacher. Porn and then trial and error. I didn't have – I went to a Catholic middle school and we had a sex ed class, I think, in seventh and eighth grade. And I don't remember anything. All I remember is in the glossary there was words like scrotum and we would look at those words and we would make jokes. But it was like God-orientated sex probably – focused around celibacy. Um, I remember one time they brought in a woman who had three abortions and she basically she got up and told and and told us all how big of a mistake it was and cried in front of all of us for about an hour. And then they showed like awful images of like babies in buckets and like it was like complete scare tactics, complete fear mongering. Um and that's what I remember from my sex education. So, so, and I don't think I'm unique in this perspective. Like, porn is kind of like the main sexual education most, most people are getting because it's their, their most direct access to a visual uh, a representation of what sex is. And the correlation found, of course, is the aggression linked to people who um, learn primarily uh, through porn. And it makes sense, like, a, like 
they sampled, I think, they randomly selected, or, or they took the most popular porns watched from a, in a specific time zone, a time range, and they randomly selected scenes, 30-second scenes, and 9 out of 10 of them had either verbal or physical abuse, slapping, um, spitting, uh, name-calling, bitch or slut. And it's like 9 out of 10 um, seemed a lot. And I, as being a porn watcher now for 15 years, gone through cycles of watching it, not watching it, it's like, yeah. This is no, this is it's obvious, you know it's it's all over. Like, uh, just look at the titles. I think you just have to sample the titles. It's either like aggression or familial uh, sex, stepmom, stepsister, um, and, and etc. And the sexual experience that put a tremendous amount of pressure on me. Because I didn't equate aggression with even my fantasies, like my imagination that I would paint of a sexual experience was like overly, I would go overly romantic or sensual or caring or like, um, and that kind of changed. Like, I'm like, oh, this is, and I don't remember it being distinct. It was just more like subtle shifts. Like, oh, um, a girl's not enjoying themselves unless they're screaming in rapture or or moaning a particular way or uh they like um you know being like i I just can't imagine like why is slap like slapping someone in the face how is that associated with pleasure even if there is a small percentage of people that like it and i can definitely relate to aggression um in sexuality as as pleasurable, but it's hard for me to discern whether I learned that or whether I actually wanted it. It's like I learned that women get pleased with a certain amount of roughness through the majority of porn that I, I watch. And it's like, it's taken me kind of a, kind of a while um, just to slow down, I guess, be, and incorporate like a, just a gentleness to it, which which I actually prefer. Like, so I I learned primarily sex education through the internet, through friends, and hearing what and hearing their stories. Didn't have sexual experiences in high school. I had I had one girlfriend, but we didn't have sex. And um, it wasn't until college that I had my first sexual experience, and then it was all trial by fire. It was trial and error, pretty mostly error. I think the first like few partners I had like never talked to me again just because I was so nervous it wasn't any like crazy discrepancies or like certainly no violence or anything like that it was probably it was just like overwhelming sense of needing to perform a certain way and then failing my own thoughts of what performing was coupled with just like the nervousness of doing it wrong and then them not liking me and and then that's of course what ended up happening because I would let that thought be the primary uh ingredient to the sexual experience it was lack it was void of enjoyment for a while three or four years 
Like it wouldn't be, I wouldn't have any recurring sexual partners because I think I would let them down or I did let them down and then it just would fizzle out. Um, so, I mean, that ought to be talked about. That ought to be, it ought to be changed a little bit. Like I, I just would love to know how many people actually do genuinely like aggression in their sexual experience compared to how normalized it's been through the porn we watch like it can't be that high like and and even yeah it's just that seems to be a uh, a byproduct of of porn being our central like learning agency of of the sexual experience so the aggression is one thing and and of course now being a certain having a certain dick size or having um a certain stamina um perform like feeding into performance anxiety or or lowering a, a man's self-esteem and i'm going to focus on male sexuality because it's like more experiential of course i can speak more to that um and i've I, you know I've, i have a series on tiktok about things I wish I knew about sex before I was 30. And I do address some of these things. So maybe looking at that, but in terms of size, it matters. I think at, up on the upfront, on the, on the front end of the sexual experience, it might be particularly exciting to see, um, like a, a, a certain penis size, but ultimately I think the hardness I think this this book's like uh, the hardness, like even a smaller weapon with a, uh, that maintains its hardness, um, f- you know, for an extended period of time, will will do the will do the trick. <laughs> and I want to get into some of these things because one, I don't know how to fully believe, you know, to believe this, and two, it's just. It is decent stuff and it offers sexuality at a different perspective that I think is healthy. It's healthy to talk about it. It's certainly a huge part of my life has been my relationship to myself, my relationship to sexuality and, you know, wanting to know, um, and, uh, and fortunately now, 30 years later, so 15 years after kind of starting the sexual journey for the past like five or six years, there's just been a lot of learning, a lot of growth. I've had partners that I've been able to trust and be able to have open conversations with, been able to experiment, try new things, um, rest some of my performance anxiety issues and, um, and just enjoy the experience way more. Something that I craved since the beginning of practicing sexuality. So I, I, dang, I flipped to the page where it talks about different thrusting techniques. So it lays out nine different thrusting techniques, which it's all written like poetry. But let's go through these. Uh, 
Lee Tung Swan listed a number of, th- of thrusting te- styles in The Mysterious Master of the Cave. It's a book. Press the root of the jade stem. They use all these different names for penis and vagina and clitoris. Jade stem is the penis. Press the root of the jade stem tightly against the mound of the jade gate. The jade gate being the, vul- the vulva. Shuttle up and down and saw at the gate as if cutting open an oyster to reach the precious pearl inside, of course, the clitoris. So that's non-penetrative thrusting in a sawing motion using the root of your penis. Technique number one. Technique number two, thrust deeply into the jade gate, then slowly withdraw the stem up against the golden gully, the golden gully, question mark. The golden gully is the upper vulva, of course. As if slicing through stone in search of precious jade that seems same, thrust deeply, or deeply, then slowly withdraw, and then do the slicing technique. So in, out, slice, back in, it seems like. Technique number two. Technique number three. Use the jade stem to thrust vigorously in the region of the the jade terrace. And of course, the Jade Terrace is the clitoris. They don't have to use pearl. These are all the names of the clitoris that they're throwing out. Jade Terrace, Precious Pearl, the Seed, the Yin Bean, the Loot Strings, the Divine Field. Okay, so use the jade stem to thrust vigorously in the region of the jade terrace as if using an iron pestle to grind a medicine mortar. So this is non-penetrative uh, thrusting style, which you you grind the clit. Number four, jab the j- jade stem back and forth with short, slow thrusts inside the celestial palace, which of course is... The vagina. Like a farmer tilling the field to sow his seeds. Jab back with short, slow thrusts. I could just say short, slow thrust, it seems like. But here we go. Number five, four, five. Grind the jade stem and the jade gate heavily together like two avalanches meeting midway. Seems pretty straightforward. Be an avalanche. Use the number six. Use the jade stem to strike out to the left and the right like a brave warrior trying to break through enemy ranks. So a little bit, little touch of violence, a little touch of aggression with the warrior analogy. Um, ejaculation being uh, compared to surrendering or death of the man. So this is a left to right movement. I got to try that one. I don't know if I'm too familiar with that. Number seven, move the jade stem up and down like a wild stallion bucking through a stream. Move the jade stem up and down, up and down. And the penis is the stallion bucking through the stream. I imagine. I don't think you're this. St- Maybe you are. You know, all of these are going to take a little bit of exploration. And that's kind of my point. Like, find someone 
build it like, yeah, as easy as that. Yes, it is. People want to, they want to connect. They want to be together. Find someone that, that you can just trust, which is not easy, but it's earned. Earn their trust and have, have the sexual exploration with curiosity and compassion, etc. Number eight, make deep and shallow thrusts in quick succession, like a huge stone sinking into the sea. So I kind of picture a stone kind of like dropping like that. Shallow thrusts and deep in quick succession. Number nine, push the jade stem in slowly like a snake crawling into the hole to hide. Push the jade stem in slowly like a snake crawling into a hole to hide. That seems pretty straightforward. Number 10, there's two more. Thrust the jade stem swiftly like a frightened mouse running into a hole to hide. Okay, thrust. So you so be the mouse or the snake. Snakes eat mice. Push the jade stem in slowly. Slowly is associated with the snake. Swiftly is the frightened mouse. So that's basically the same thing with different speeds. And the last one. Rise up high, then plunge in low, like a big sailboat braving stormy seas. Straight motion of the ocean. So there are different, so there's the different uh, uh, thrusting styles. And, you know, different strokes for different folks. So you're going to, you're going to, you know, depend, like it says right here, depending on your physique, feelings, and personal experience, preferences, um, it's going to be different. And since Taoist intercourse lasts much longer than conventional variety of touted by as normal, different strokes prevent the monotony of a single repetitive maneuver and provide intercourse with a spice of variety. So a little bit of variety, it's going to be a little bit sensation-based. It's going to help you, me, us, um, throttle our pleasure to prolong the sexual experience. Because this book talks about not ejaculating, you know, as much as possible, especially with age. It talks about, you know, in the younger years, 13 through 20, like you can be basically a fountain of a spring of semen, but thirties, forties, fifties, toggling down the amount of times you ejaculate. And you can do that by having non-ejaculatory sex, which I've, I've done a handful of times, maybe 10 at most. Um, so I'm still definitely working on it. And, um, yeah, that's the path that I'm on right now. And as far as porn, I'm not bashing on porn because because I'm not trying to deny any aspect of reality fully because that would make mean that I know and I certainly don't. Um, I watch it. I watch it sometimes, and I try to enjoy it as much as I can. Um, and and there's this thing. There's this like indicator of addiction where you keep needing to watch more aggressive forms of porn um, to satisfy yourself. And I never really go there. I usually 
yeah, I, I pretty much just watch vanilla, like sexual. It's just sex. And what I've <laughs> what I've been watching lately is like the one. It, maybe this is some shitty stuff, but I watch the porn where there's like not even faces involved. It's just bodies. It's just like really sexy bodies, just like having sex with each other. So I don't know what that's about, but I for me. I get attracted to the fitness of the of the individuals and like that excites me. And yeah, I guess that's really that's hyper visual which I guess at which porn pretty much is. There's an auditory experience of it which also is important in the sexual in the sexual realm as far as like helping to maintain my own chi or to store my ejaculation. I need to make sound. There was a long time of of practicing sex where I would be silent. And for some reason, holding, not being able to, not letting myself tone or moan or like makes or even talk, like that built up my anxiety and then actually lowered my performance. So being able to tone and like make noise and participate, even have a conversation can really break up the sexual experience to prolong it if that's what I'm looking for, if that's what she's looking for, or just make it more enjoyable. And laughing. I used to be, you know, laughing during sex would have been very difficult for me earlier 20s. Um, and maybe even sometimes if there's like, if I feel like I'm taking myself seriously or I'm trying to do something, <laughs> it's basically me taking myself too serious. But laughter can be so rewarding and, and it can actually like increase the pleasure. Like it'll cause like the vagina to, to pulse a little bit. It might even cause like the, your penis to pulse a little bit. And, and that's like, that could be fun. Who doesn't like to laugh, especially if it's an authentic laugh. Like, that seems pretty healing. So we talked a little ejaculation control. We talked different thrusting styles. Um, this is the part where it talks about men regulating their ejaculation based on age. So take what you want from this. By the age of 30, a man begins to lose his vitality and should stop squandering his semen recklessly. It's time to give up the habit of masturbation and become acquainted with the Tao of yin and yang. By the age of 40, a man has reached the critical turning point in his life. If he wishes to prevent the rapid downhill slide into his grave that undisciplined sexual relations cause at this stage in life, he must now start practicing ejaculation control as a habit. Well, that gives me 10, nine years. Um, but I'm, you know, getting, getting a jump on it and they're pretty dramatic. I mean, the rapid downslide downhill slide into the grave, like they really bind a uh, man's ability to store his, his chi with his semen and, it could be true, you know, but it also could need more evidence. By the age of 50, his ejaculation frequency should be no more than once every 20 days. Okay, so 50 once every 20 days, that sounds like once a month-ish, almost two times a month. That seems still like a good time. And this doesn't say that you can't have sex. It says you shouldn't ejaculate at that frequency. 
Again, trying to separate sex with orgasm, like ejaculation. That's possible. All right. By age 60, most men should completely curtail ejaculation. Oh, but not intercourse. Exceptionally healthy men with strong libidos, however, may continue emitting, emitting semen once a month. Or better yet, once every hundred coit, coitations. Is that a word? It's a word. Coitions. So once every hundred times you have sex, you're ejaculating. Or once a month. Or not at all by age 60. By age 70, if a man is still hardy, he may continue using the ideal measure of once every 100 indefinitely. So eventually getting to one ejaculation every 100 sexual experiences. And I'm about 100 ejaculations for every one non-ejaculatory experience. So I'm going to have to do a whole 180. It seems like if I want to live my life according to this book... I do want to be strong and healthy. Let's see. Practicing ejaculation control is just more is just as important for strong, healthy males as it is for the weak and elderly. Those who start this regimen early in life avoid the worst ravages of old age, retard the loss of vital energy, and live longer than those who wait until middle age to begin. Okay, so they're just doubling down, telling you to start early. For most men, complete absten- abstinence from ejaculation is just as harmful as excessive emission. It creates a deep yearning for sex that disrupts the harmony of essence, energy, and spirit and ultimately leads to even greater loss of sexual essence and energy through the uncontrollable, intense nocturnal ejaculations. Okay. I'm glad I kept reading because that's important. Like, of course, you can take it too far. And it's not about the abstinence of ejaculation. It's not about the abstinence of sex uh, because that could, you know, you're supposed to have sex. This just in. Like, uh, you can take it too far. I wonder if you don't lose it, you lose it type of mentality. I'm sure it can be put in here, but I don't know if that's necessarily true. I bet even if you go, if even if I went like a year or two without ejaculating sex, I could probably get it back going at this age. And then there's there's an elixir. So apparently in China there is they're they're more enlightened about sexuality. That's what this book is saying. And there is a bunch of evidence to suggest that Christianity did a fair job uh suppressing sexuality. Um so that could be true. I've never been to China. Uh, so apparently, like, people used to bring around, they used to bring sex toys on them. Like, cock rings are apparently a thing. I haven't messed with too many sex toys. Hardly ever. I used a, re, uh, a disposable cock ring. Basically, I put it on and it, like, it had a battery in it. You press it and it vibrated. Um, I used it, like, once or twice. Way back sometime. But maybe I get trying to use that, trying to use some stuff again. But here is a recommended vitality potion, according to this book, for men. Maybe grab a piece of paper or pen or pause this. There's a bunch of stuff in here. 
Basically, you take these herbs and you soak them in alcohol for three to six months. You strain it out and you're left with a tonic. It says you can sweeten the bottle with sugar. Sugar helps or honey, which helps you uptake the ingredients. So it says that, okay, you you add three liters of alcohol to these herbs, three to six months, strain it out, and then you add three more liters and do another three to six months with the same herbs. And then you press out the excess fluid, which is supposedly the most potent, potent part, and you're left with your potion. And the potion is as follows. Deer horn shavings. Deer horn resin. Resin from hides of wild black donkeys. Resin made from tortoise shells. Horny goat weed. Rhizome. Astragalus root. Angelica root. Hardy rubber tree bark. Chinese wolfberry. Japanese wax privet seeds. Cinnamorium stems. Dried human placenta, Korean ginseng root, black raspberry seeds, seahorse, red spotted lizard. And the quantity of each of these can be found in this book and it can be found online as well at the Tao of Sex. Two male and two female red spotted lizards, two seahorses. Okay. Don't know how to take all this stuff. Like, I don't know how to process all this. I'm I'm interested to try. I'm I'm curious, and I like running experiments uh, with my own life, my own consciousness, with my own health. So I'm I'm game, but you know I don't know how to take all this stuff. I don't know how valuable this stuff. It, it says you know, books are bias, and okay, so. Health and sex and longevity. Longevity isn't only based on retaining your semen. It's about chi. And there's forms of chi. And they also have movement practices. And they also talk about the importance of breathing practices as well. For long life exercises. And there's a bunch. There's vital points that they talk about. If I was to do everything in this book, it would be like four hours a day. I would be doing breathing exercises, movements, meditations, and uh, focusing on not ejaculating, which would probably be the, the biggest portion. And not to say that that's too much. I mean, what's that for supposedly increasing your life, for increasing your life and the quality of your life? It might not be that tall of an order three or four hours of practicing or working on my health. So I wonder what's moving forward. I guess, uh, so as a 31-year-old, tapering down my ejaculations so that by late 30s, I'm only ejaculating once every 20 or so days. Or once every 20 or so sexual experiences. And then again, eventually working to once out of every 100 
days or sexual experiences ejaculating? Or do I just enjoy? Or do I just YOLO it? Things to consider. It's gonna be all it's gonna be all personal. I there is a, a problem. The problem with this is if I'm adding it has the potential to add guilt to the equation. So if I do come more than once out of 20 days, then I feel like I'm doing myself a disservice. So how much guilt do I need to correct my course? And what is correcting my course? Like, is my spirit bigger? Is my energy, is love greater than these physical practices? Is zero shame required? It, will I eventually just get there with this by by setting this intention to be more control or discipline over my my sexual experience? Maybe I let that go and allow myself to approach that goal when I'm ready. That seems to be um, maybe path of least resistance. Or do you know how much effort do I put in? And what level of course correcting, shame, or discipline do I impose on myself if I can't seem to uphold the integrity of my goal? It could be zero. Because I know with my other addictions, such as like caffeine, cannabis, I've had to approach them really gently. Because seeming to, you know, build up this expectation of of being completely sober and completely clear and then letting myself down time and time again, the guilt can be as destructive. Just things to consider. So this is the sex episode. I wonder if there's any more notes I had. I feel like this is a good one. This is a good one. Share this with the young men in your life. Like sex ed, the conversation around porn, the conversation around sexuality, it it just has to be had. It's not, you know, we say we live in an over-sexualized world, but it's it's an over-irregularity or it's an over... um, it's like false sexuality. It's like praising false sexuality. And that's the world we live in. Like we live in the world of visual pleasure and gratification, but like the best sexual experiences have little to do with the visual. It's like all feeling how I feel about myself and then how I feel with, you know, sharing myself with another and how the other person feels. It has very little to do with like how fit like the the other is the that like the fitness like of of someone is like what stimulates my lust but what's tr- like what really gets me going or what really satisfies my pleasures like is mostly feeling based which is not a new concept. My point is, is that it needs to be talked about. 
I think you should, if you have young men in your life, particularly young men have the burden of, of practicing our, our sexuality is more vulnerable. I wonder if I can find, that's a beautifully written. Oh, wow. Flip right to it. As clear by now, most Taoist advice on sex is addressed to men who need it more. Yang is by nature weaker and more vulnerable to depletion than yin, and therefore it needs to be carefully nurtured, especially during intercourse. Nevertheless, the Tao is a two-way street, and Chinese history offers us several colorful examples of aggressive women who applied the Tao the other way, using yang to nourish yin. Oh, because yin primarily nourishes yang with its feminine primary primarily nourishes masculine with its abundance of energy, but it can go either way because they go together. So yeah, I hope this is helpful. I hope it was slightly entertaining and, uh, I can't wait to hear back what I, some of the things I shared. Um, yeah. Thank you for being here and I can't wait to uh, share with you again and to uh, drop a comment. Please subscribe if you like this and you want to see more. Drop a comment if you want to be included in one of the upcoming episodes. I read TikTok comments, um, Instagram comments on on shows. So I'll be interacting uh, with anyone who interacts with uh, the content I put out. Thank you so much. Love you guys. Until next time.